and welcome to another episode of Copy That. My name is Dan. Thanks for being here. Today's episode, talking with Rory Tyre. He's the co-founder and the executive coach for Go Innovation, and they do a whole bunch of different work uh, with coaching and talking with um, leaders and how they work in their context of business and how they're going to work as a team and how they address some of the personal issues that program our thinking and bring it into a workshop and they actually do some crazy stuff i've actually worked with rory uh, multiple times even going uh, about 12 years back uh was the first time so he's a a great person he's one of the people i actually thought of when all of this was kind of going south and we're in the middle of this quarantine and thinking about like well how are we supposed to work in a crisis like there's a crisis happening outside of our house to people we love and what are we doing about it? Like, how do we, how do we keep those things close to us and still continue to do the work that we want to do? So a little uh, deviation of just, not just for creative work, but for all work. Cause uh, I don't know about you, but I tend to be watching the news and I'm like getting overloaded and then I'm like sad. And then I'm like, what are we doing? And how are we going to get through this? And it's it's uh, so honestly, I thought of Rory uh, even personally. Uh, just his information is good, and what does it even look for like for all of us? So let's get into uh, talking with Rory, and um, he's going to give us a lowdown. Hey, hey. it did work. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> Man, How's it I'm going? so worried. Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. I love your beanie. Well, it was because the hair was crazy. <laughs> it, it was a fashion choice. It's very than... Pacific Northwest of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In my very Southern California <laughs> way. Like, I'm sorry, is it 75? Okay. Well, put a scarf on then, buddy. Um, that's the classic uh, New England. I would, I would laugh at Southern California is when I first moved here, like you know, 12 years uh, ago, and just be like, oh, okay, well, it's 70, so we need gloves and a scarf. And that's right. Oh, you're working on your screenplay. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, but I am too. So <laughs> anyway, dude, so how is this going down for you in Mississippi? Because like Southern California has like been on like a weird lockdown, like yeah. We're all special unicorns in Southern California. So when we're like, <laughs> we're not like the rest of the country, it's fine. We like take that in stride as like a gold star. Um, but what's, what's it? Because what, Mississippi's been like in the news, but not necessarily really positively. No. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been a mixed bag. I think there were a lot of people asking. So at the local level, like mayor level, um, Mississippi, some of Mississippi's larger cities have Democratic mayors. Mississippi as a state has a Republican governor. And so in Tupelo, um, you're in Northeast Mississippi, but if you're watching this and have no idea where Tupelo is, I didn't either before I moved here in 2015. <laughs> I didn't know it was uh, a place either. It's, yeah, it's basically the Elvis was born here and we have an Elvis festival every year. That's like a really big deal that people come oh, wow. to from like around the world. Yeah. So Tupelo is right on the major highway that connects Birmingham, Alabama and Memphis, Tennessee. And so our governor, Jason Shelton uh, is democratic and, I think earlier than than the governor Tate Reeves did anything, he um, basically did kind of the you know closing of non-essential businesses, social distancing stuff, and then um, eventually Tate Reeves did do um, kind of a I don't know what he ended up calling it, whether it stayed home or not, but but that kind of a thing. So on the one hand, Mississippi is you know it's very rural, 
so people are baiting, like social distancing is how people grow up. <laughs> uh, and then a lot it's of people, baked into the community. But, that's right. But then, um, but you know, their church attendance is really high here uh, as a percentage of population. And then where we live in Tupelo, like my wife works at the largest non-urban hospital system in the United States, which is based here. Uh, and she works in a clinic that's part of that. Uh, and so a lot of people come in from like hours around to get care. And, and then they come in for shopping, you know, for work. So right. it's, it's so this weird thing where, you, yeah, I mean, you got a town of 35,000 that during the day is like 100,000 plus people. It's just a really crazy influx. Wow. So anyways, I, I've been working from home for a while. Um, if anyone's watching, I'm an executive coach. I'm the co-founder of a leadership development company. And um, I do a lot of content creation. And um, Dan, I, I've known Dan for a long time and just really appreciate you and have learned a lot from him in areas of being a director and thinking about nonprofit storytelling and uh, so I've been, my, I've been working from home. Also looking on dumb me. on the internet. Come on. Let's, <laughs> we just let's all not forget that one. That area. That's right. So I've been working from home for a while, and uh, hey, my dogs want to come inside. And, and we've been on maternity leave since January because we just had child number two. And so we, Heather was joking that she's been socially distanced for quite a long time. Uh, so, yeah, I think our, our biggest thing right now has been – I'm, I'm in a leadership in my church and we've got folks that are really beginning to start miss work and losing jobs and we've yeah. been figuring out how we can financially help. And other than that, a lot of my work has continued. And as a business, we're pivoting to try and do a lot of our leadership stuff online, which honestly we should have been doing for a while now. If I'm sure. <laughs> like, and so it, this is kind of like a nice kick in the pants. And I think we're entering basically a, a two to three month sprint to get a bunch of stuff online, host mm -hmm. a bunch of what we're calling web shops. Yeah. So that anyways, that's how, that's how it is for me. But yeah, because I think it is you have a you have a very interesting way to look at it with Heather being in your house and like thinking through health systems and because yeah. that's the the craziest part when they talk about the health systems like it's yeah. just such a I never even thought about stuff like this before. It's crazy. I, I don't think anybody thought about stuff no. except for like the professionals in there. Uh, but but it's yeah. I think the the tough part I'm having with it is like the. Is, are we going to crater for like a year? Because like life doesn't really work when you just pause for a whole year. No. Like, and so, so thinking through that and thinking through work and thinking through like, we're all doing home offices now. Like some of us, have, I've worked from the house forever. Right. Um, so that's not that, that big a deal. But uh, f for me, but I know for everybody else is like, well, what am I, how does my work scale this way? How does it do? So the question I have for you is like, how are, how am I supposed to like steal myself now that I've got like I've got my three kids staring at me? Um, I let them sleep in now. I feel like I'm becoming a better parent because they're like, we don't want to wake up till ten, and I'm like, why not? I don't care. Yeah, they're not going anywhere, <laughs> so it's fine. But uh, yeah, how do we steal? How do I steal my mind to not like? Um, I just I feel feeling the crush of the whole thing. Mm, the crush of the whole thing. So flesh that if you don't mind, I'm going to engage you sure. in coaching mode for a moment. Coaching mode engaged. <laughs> um, <laughs> how, when you say I feel the crush of it, flesh that out for me a little bit. What does that mean to you? Okay, so, so I've lamented, uh, mm. like, like thinking about bad leadership. So I know good leadership, <laughs> um, and we, we, I think we take it for granted. I know I take it for granted. Like, yeah, of mm. course that person was stand up, and they saw things, and people weren't left uh and the cold or if the, if mistakes were made they apologize like i've seen that good 
leadership over my life. And so now seeing that like we had warning and we didn't do it. And like, ten, yeah. I mean, the other part is like, and tens of thousands of people. And then the response of even the American people, some, some people to say things like, well, uh, you know, social Darwinism is a, a thing. So, you know, if they're not going to make it, it's fine. And yeah. uh, let's just not hurt my 401k. Yeah. And I, it, it just, it super bummed me out. It is super. I, bummed yeah. Me. I see that. So I, there's um, a book that I read a few months ago called navigating polarities mm-hmm. and then um, go innovation. We're getting ready to launch our podcast very probably this week. Okay, uh, and I, I interviewed, yeah. And it's, it's called work like a human. And so it's all about um, being more human in life and work. And so the first episode, I interviewed the author of this book. And um, the idea of a polarity is um, basically describes how to practice both and thinking. And uh, it's really timely to reflect on this because human beings, like our brains are, you know, evolutionarily bad at both end thinking because either or thinking is is basically a survival mechanism. So I need to know, is this safe? Or is it not? Uh, is this is this my are these my people? Or are they not my people? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we want to make quick decisions. And, and so that's why like, the you know, our amygdala flooding uh, with with defensive emotion happens way quicker than the other like logical part of our brain. I'm right. um, switching into gear. So you have to you have to train yourself and coaching is, is a way that that or your therapy, you know, to to, to make more rational decisions faster than, than emotional decisions. And so both and thinking, so to, to answer your question, I mean, you basically said how do I, what I'm hearing is how can I and others like me cope with some of this? Yeah. And, and so I think um, one way is to figure out how to practice both and thinking. And so as an example, uh, right now, when I see a lot of like Facebook stuff going back and forth, I see some people who are on the one end of like, um, uh, we, we need to open the economy. Uh, and I think probably like people are way overblowing the the extent to which this is a problem. Uh, and I'm like, the, the media is lying to us. So that's like this one end of the polarity. <laughs> right. the, other end, the other end of the polarity is like, you know, everything, um, like everything that I'm, so, so ba- like the, the total opposite end would be like, it doesn't matter how much money we lose or, or how many jobs get lost. Or, or what happens to the global economy, we need to keep it shut. And, and it's almost like we, we need to try to prevent, like, like we, we want to try to have nobody else die from COVID-19. Right. And, um, you know, we don't, like, we don't take that approach to any other public health issue. It'd be really interesting to imagine what would it look like if we took a, we want no one else to die. Like, what you know, think about how many things would change. Like we would yeah. eliminate, we would eliminate cars. Like we would decide all transportation needs to be public and mass transportation. Right. And it needs to be in such a form, you know, and even then you're never going to not have accidents. So I think my point is, it's not that we need to swing back and forth from one extreme to the other. We need to find the, um, the author, uh, Kelly Lewis, talks about finding a third way, which okay. is almost a spiritual concept of you recognize each of these sides. It's not pros and cons. They have um, benefits and overuses. So like you could look at one side of the polarity and say, well, what is a benefit to, um, as an example, being skeptical of government overreach, uh, being um, like not just immediately taking at face value what the media says, um, recognizing that it's really that a functioning free market economy has a pretty good historical track record of raising people's quality of life. Those are yeah. benefits. Sure. So overuses, if we're on that side of the, of the pendulum for too long, 
we develop a rabid distrust of the media that ironically results in trusting really less than credible sources because they end up verifying our suspicions that we had in the first place. The suspicions weren't based on, on rational things. They're based on emotion. But then we find something that's an hour-long interview with random scientists who seem credentialed, and that makes us feel like we've now got rational grounds for our skepticism. Um, you know, an overuse of free market economy is maybe, maybe it is social Darwinism. Maybe we're actually letting too many people get sick and die. So come to the other side, let's call it like a very public health collectivist focus. So what's, yeah. what's an upside to this, like other mindedness, caring for the for people that can't care for themselves, um, you know, being willing to put a face map, um, you know, being willing to set some of this, some of my individual prerogatives aside for the sake of protecting the other. Well, there are some overuses of that as well. And, and the potential overuse is, you know, I, I saw someone make an excellent point the other day. You know, you, you can't blame the free market economy for failing when the government has essentially shut down the free market economy. <laughs> so, like, you right. know, on the one hand, you, you can say, hey, I wish some of these businesses had better cash reserves. But I don't know that that's necessarily an indictment of a free market economy. Right. Um, so, so, so then you have to ask yourself, what would it look like if we lived both of these at the same time? Like, how would we, how would we show up in the world if we could integrate both sides of that polarity and honor the both end? It's, it matters that we care about government overreach and it matters that we um, have a government that's capable of um, having some kind of public health oversight in a way that probably state governments and individuals in the private sector can't do. It matters that we, um, are, are rightly skeptical of, of media in some sense, but it also matters that we are able to discern what is skepticism and what is like conspiracy theorism. <laughs> well, when the bats are taking <laughs> over the 5G towers, <laughs> the chemtrails are yeah. infecting us. We have so, to watch so out for that. What's, what's the both and? How do we integrate both poles of that thing? And you can apply this to a lot of areas of your life, by the way. So think about like, uh, I'm you know, I work from home. I'm also now responsible for watching my daughters for most of the week while my wife, um, who's an essential employee, has, has gone back to work. Right. And so, you know, I could I could swing wildly between the poles of, oh, my goodness, I feel like I'm unproductive and not worth anything because I'm not producing. Or on the other hand, like, I'm just going to forget about my work and only focus on my daughters, which, um, you know, isn't financially sustainable. And honestly, it's not great right. for my mental health because like i think sure. having a vocation yeah. you know having a vocation yeah. and having meaningful work is just really important and you know i think for some people their their clear main vocation is parenthood and i think right. like when you see a stay-at-home mom that's just thriving and raising your kids an example or stay-at-home dad you can just tell it and i'm not that person like i'm and my <laughs> wife isn't that person but either. i think Heather, how do you think even those stay-at-home mom and dads go oh Good Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's because even the best vocation, it has overuses. If I'm in my work for, you know, you know, you can only stare at a video editing screen for so long before right. you hate it. It's the crap sandwich. <laughs> that's right. So I think the, the idea is it, first you recognize, am I dealing a, a polarity is essentially two interdependent things that you that need one another over time for success. Mm -hmm. And so like we need we need to care about government infringement on religious liberty. We also need to care about American citizens over-exercising individuality at the possible expense of collective public health. We can right. think those things together. They don't have to cancel one or the other out. And that relieves a lot of the tension, just that realization of like, oh, part of the reason I feel crazy is because I'm trying to solve a problem when the reality is I should be trying to navigate the polarity. 
where oh, wow. both of these things and both of these people need one another. I, I need the person who's more skeptical of media than I might be. And they need the person who is saying, Hey, it's not that you're skeptical of media. You're just choosing different kinds of media than I do. And I might be skeptical of the media. You're, like we need each other to have that dialogue. So step one is naming the polarity and recognizing I'm, I'm an adult in a very complicated, unstable world. And so it's natural that I feel a lot of tension and frustration. So you're not, you're not crazy. You're not like less well-adjusted. Just mm -hmm. own that you feel the tension of the polarity. And that is a consequence of living in a very complicated and unsettling world. The next step is name the polarity. So there's power and clarity in finding names for what are the things, what's the two, what's the pair that's intention. And then think about what would it look like if I freed myself of the need to live in either or, and actually step forward into the both and how would I name that and describe it? And in the in the podcast episode where I interview Kelly about this, we play with this as it relates to um, uh, individual freedom and collective responsibility. And what she comes up with, she basically says that the face mask might be a way to demonstrate integrated third way where it's an individual choice I'm making to wear a mask. But it's a choice that I recognize isn't really for me. It, like wearing a face mask is actually for the benefit of others. Right. So that when I cough or sneeze, it stays in there and not out in the world and gets aerosolized or I could infect people. And so she suggests the face mask is face mask. And so it's helpful to find like a symbol because what we're talking about is a way of being. You're not mm -hmm. looking for a specific word. And so you have to sort of feel it and think it. Mm -hmm. um, and so this idea of being the kind of person that says, despite how weird it feels to live in Western society where we don't walk around with face masks in public like people in Japan might when they get on a train when they're not in a pandemic. Despite the weirdness, despite the discomfort, I'm going to live into the third way and put this on. And it's an expression of my individual freedom, but it's also on behalf of, of others. So in our homes, right. in our work, what does it look like to navigate this polarity of like being there for my kids, trying to get time in for my work? So that's right. a polarity. You can't cancel out either of those, right? right. That would be they're important. Right. Totally. They're both important. And so how do I navigate that third way? Is there a rhythm? Is there a, you know, and, and, and so the next part is you have to talk about this. You have to have uncomfortable and, and vulnerable conversations with the people that you're engaging with. You can't with just shove polarity. it down? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can. <laughs> I mean, it worked many, for me in my total do. 30s. That's what I did. <laughs> shove it down and yeah. don't talk about it. So, so Dan, I'm actually going to turn around you and ask you a question. Like yeah. you... You know, you came into married life and parenthood later <laughs> in life than a lot of people. And so navigating some yes. of these polarities looks a little bit different for you, even if you don't put it in those terms. I'm curious for you, like, what does it look like for you to navigate some of this in a healthy way right now? Well, I mean, yeah, like the, doing the cannonball into parenting, um, all of a sudden, teenage girls like was insane. Um, and it's funny, I look back and I'm like, oh, just just three years ago and go. That guy was so naive. That guy, <laughs> that guy thought it was going to be. The, I think the tough part for me in parenting is, is I take things personally. Mm. I take it personally when, like, I just told you to do the thing. Why aren't you doing the thing? And then my wife will be like, because he's 10. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> but I told him. And she's like, but he's 10. So yep. this is totally right age and stage stuff. But. Um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been wild. So, and yeah. I think the, uh, amount of work, um, that I thought I would do versus what I am doing is also very different, uh, mm. which is pretty, pretty wild. So anyway, um, mm. 
I think the big thing uh, with that has been like, well, how do I keep the kids from, it, it, we've been talking about this even as a church or whatever, because the younger kids are like, they went around, uh, one of the elders of my church talked with his uh, youngest and was like, okay, so we're going to go around for Easter and talk about like, what are we thankful for in the quarantine? Uh-huh. And the kid, and like, this kid went, what quarantine? Like, because he didn't know, because this was just like, oh, yeah, this is awesome, and everybody's home, and it's great. Yeah, um, it's like vacation. Um, and so he'll probably remember it that way. But like, we've been just talking about like, this super stinks. My eighth grader, you know, isn't getting her eighth grade graduation, and my ninth grader had yeah. like all these plans. And I can't even imagine if you're a, if you're a senior this year, yeah. like. It hit right at the like all the awesome stuff that happens at the end of senior year happens. Yep. Right all now. the stuff so, you've been looking forward to since like for four whatever, years, August. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so we've been just talking about like, okay, well, how? And then the, the reality of like, well, how much time is enough to spend on school? Like, so my wife's a teacher, yeah. and the you know they're assigning things which is great and and like they're keeping up but it's like well do you need to spend seven hours on school like you Uh, did a normal school day and it's like well no not really so um so getting all that rolling um but then like we moved my office i'm in the living room here now like because we just we changed the whole house around because i was like Mm. well we need to like think differently for this next little you know Session. However long, or however, it is. yeah. Cause, and, and the thing is, the more we keep talking about it, it's like you saw those reports yesterday of like universities thinking about what does it look like to not have classes on campus for 2020, like until next fall. So, so I read an article recently where they basically uh, Andy Crouch and and his uh-huh. team at Praxis Labs released it, and uh-huh. they basically said a lot of people are thinking of this as essentially a blizzard, and we need to hunker down, and then we'll come out of it, and. And he said, it's probably more like an ice age, like a little ice age. Yeah. And he said, rather than thinking about two months from now, think 12 to 18 months from now, right. what does it look like? And, uh, and so I think having that frame, you know, put, what does it look like to put down some kind of roots of stability? Because we need, like, our brain is not, again, the holding the tension, the both and it is just, it's hard to do that. And so mm-hmm. if you can, so decision fatigue is an, like, it's another it's yeah. another it's a real thing so your brain is subconsciously constantly trying to decide well is now the time that it's going to go back to normal so if you can do something like just hey for the foreseeable this is now where we are we're going to set right. down new new routes new routines and i've seen people on twitter talking about like for their first graders uh, there's a woman uh buzzfeed featured her she she just said we've just pulled them out like we're not going to focus on this school right now it doesn't make sense we're mm-hmm. like he's learning but for the rest of his life, he's not going to remember the schoolwork that we did right now. He's right. going to remember how we loved him. And I, I do think that's an example of living the polarity. It's not, you don't have to pit learning against, um, I don't know, against mental health. And then like, against non-learning? <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, like learning against stagnation. It's, or yeah. learning against doing nothing. And doing nothing is important sometimes. But the point is, like, maybe right. the third way is for this season – our son's learning, our kids' learning is going to be by just being along with us, being loved, reading. And that's one example of, I think, how to, it's this idea of carving out a sense of control. So the other thing I was going to say when you talked mm. to me about this is like, there, there are so many things we cannot control. And Which it's been very upsetting to realize how many things. How, that's been yep, super yep, upsetting because I was like, I am the yeah. master of my domain. And then it's like, oh, yeah. no, go, stay at home. And I'm like, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. So one way to think about this is like, um, 
we, in some sense, this is an incredible time for people to grow in self-awareness. Like, oh my mm-hmm. goodness, mm-hmm. I didn't have a reason to have to confront the part of myself that felt like I was in control over so many things that are actually an illusion. Now I'm forced to confront that. And yeah. so I have a choice. Like, like I, I love a good Netflix show, but people use Netflix to numb processing sure. that they could be doing. Sure. And, and so I think if nothing else, it is, it is it, like, it's free. And like, I, I like to coach people and they pay me for it, but it is free to sit down and like think and reflect and have a conversation mm-hmm. um, like we're doing now to grow in self-awareness and recognize, oh my goodness, I assumed so much control. And, and if you can shatter that illusion and look at the world as it is and yourself as you are, you're going to start setting yourself up. And so one way that I taught people to doing this is just make a list on one side of the paper, write down, here's a bunch of stuff that I can't control mm-hmm. and start there and then like stare at it for a little bit. So don't, Oof. don't like move past it, just write down whatever. And it's not like everything in the world, but like the things that the first eight the spinning things of the earth, like, I cannot control what happens in Dubai right now. You know, like right. just the first eight things that come to your mind, especially as they impinge on your sphere and your family's right. sphere. And when then on the other back. side of the, that's right. That's okay. right. When school goes back, um, the emotions of my children, uh, right. uh, how my clients, uh, like whether my clients are buying, uh, what mm-hmm. the federal government does when the stimulus check hits my bank account, you know, like right. you, you can't control this stuff. Right. Um, I love that you just gave like huge giant examples, but also like, this is Tuesday. And like, this <laughs> just like, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Wait, oh, yeah. It's not Tuesday. It's Wednesday. Okay. Anyway. Uh, right. No, I felt yeah, that way. Always. So, yeah. so the, look at it and then process the emotions that come to mind. Like, what do you feel? And I think for some people, they may even feel like avoidance. Like, I don't, I don't want yeah. to think about that. So that's really interesting. Why don't you want that? Where, where does it come from? For a lot of people, it's family of origin. We, I, I'm not used to seeing my parents talk about uncertain things. Uh, I don't like the feeling of not knowing. I'm used to feeling like a very competent and in control person. And this list makes yeah. me feel the opposite of that. Yeah. And that's a threat to my identity. Okay. Now we're uncovering the really important stuff. Once you process that, and only once you've really took, spent some time on that, then go to the other side of the paper and start to think, what are things that I can control? Mm-hmm. And it may seem really banal, like the layout of our house, like how we, ha- how we use the rooms of our house. Mm-hmm. But that is like sometimes the key to unlocking significant productivity and mindset difference this season. And it's something you can control. So like how we use the rooms of our house is something I can control. How I spend whatever time I have is something I control. The kinds of conversations I try to initiate with the people I'm close to. um, um, There's like, you can make lists and lists. Some of these things are things that everybody can try to control. Like my perspective on my situation. That's not really control. I'm not saying control, like flip a switch. Right. Yeah. I'm saying and basically strong influence like you are within begin, your realm. That's right. It is within uh-huh. your realm, whereas something like what the CDC recommends is not within my realm. Right. Right. Uh, so anyways, that list often will give you the starting point for taking back a sense of. Um, so so this is it's, again, it's a polarity. On the one hand, um, there's people that need a sense of control to feel like they're fully themselves. And that's often dangerous. On the other hand feeling like there's nothing in your control is totally disempowering and damaging. Right. right. And so th- I think the third right. way is living with open hands while also like doing whatever you can. So in other words, not confusing what you do and don't control and then trying to invest constructive time into things that you can mm. control. 
So that's one concrete self-coaching practice that I think will make people feel a little bit less crazy. Yeah, that's huge, dude. That's absolutely huge. Where were you like four weeks ago? What was... <laughs> uh, I, I should have talked to you then. At the time, I was just more like, this is very sad and I'm very sad. Oh, I think so four weeks ago, we were, we were okay, I think we were, we were in disbelief that it could last yeah. for another four weeks. Um, right. and, and even right. four weeks ago, a few weeks ago, maybe it was I, like, maybe I didn't even recognize how, how significant of a threat all this was going to be. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to think calendar wise, four weeks, mid-March. I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. I remember, I think the watershed moment for a lot of Americans was when like the NBA canceled the rest of their season. I don't know what that, I'm mean, seriously. I mean, it's interesting what <laughs> yeah. it says about our culture, but like <laughs> that, ESPN, what are we when, gonna that, do? when that happened, people were like, Oh, that's a lot of money that they're not going to get. And right. and so maybe it's not a hoax. Like right. maybe, maybe it's, it's actually not. a big deal. Now, again, that's not to say like, again, we, it's important to have a conversation about like, when is government, you know, what, it, what government overreach and civil, like mm-hmm. our America is literally founded on people rebelling against Over- taxes. Which, which for a lot of us today wouldn't even register on our or certain kinds of, it wouldn't even register on our sense of, like we're just used to paying a lot of taxes. And I think mm-hmm. some of that is mindset shift. Some of that is culture difference. Some of that is like, we've just got different ways to use tax revenue, but like we shouldn't forget, like if, if you never think about, huh, I wonder if the president saying he has total authority as an example is like a potentially dangerous executive precedent or like i wonder if governors really should have the authority to just shut down a bunch like it's 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 a you shouldn't feel like a pariah for having that conversation what you're doing is exploring the tension of the polarity yeah so there's individual the freedom that, public health that you need to have yes and if you don't have that curiosity questions. you're you know you're 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 just going to accept something from someone right. and you're not going to necessarily have a way to wrestle with it appropriately yeah. So, so with, with that, like there, we want to have those, uh, I need to have those, uh, conversations, those, uh, questions. And even just like, cause, cause I think it's hilarious, especially my Facebook feed, you know, I've got on the one hand, there's all those doctors saying this is a thing, but then there's that guy who sees through the media. So I need, no, those aren't the same anyway, but, but thinking through like, like, um, questioning things like i live in a very blue state right so yeah, yeah there you know so some people will accept everything as as it is and i i think it's weird that it's always along political lines like when we talk yeah. about this it always immediately goes to like well you know you you are red or you're blue and there's no in, in between or you're libertarian which i don't know anyway i'm just being silly but <laughs> but uh, it's it's just I think it's really important to start asking or or asking those big questions even even for myself of like when mm-hmm. my day how do I evolve you know how do I get around this crush of of either sadness or lack of control or whatever like what does it look like for us to it, it really kind of unlo- I was having a conversation with somebody uh, again from church a couple weeks ago and uh, over the Zoom. Um, but the the question he said was, and, and he's a European guy, and he said, well, how do we get around, like, we need to be thinking, like, what does it look like to go to Disneyland with this happening and, mm-hmm. like, still be safe? Like, how mm-hmm. can that be a, a thing? Like, yeah. let's start thinking like that. And that was a really huge unlock. Instead of, like, accepting, like, we're just going to sit at home and be sad for 18 months, or 
we're going to go out into the world and kill a million people um, yeah. as a result of infection. Right. Like, what's somewhere that we can, like, live with it? And it, and it feels like a weird sci-fi movie. Like, this whole time has felt like a weird sci-fi movie. You yeah, look at the John yeah. Hopkins sick map. It feels like the beginning of a Tom Clancy video game. Uh, and then when, you know, you, we're all going out with our masks and, and whatever yeah. and just walking down. I feel like I'm, I'm stuck in some weird um, sci-fi short or something, yeah. you know, it's just like a normal Pleasantville, but we all have masks on and it's, it's kind of strange. So... Again, question then that I have is like, if, we, if we're having those questions, the polarity shift, and we're trying to think about what, is that, what does that look like for us, uh, when, we, when we define those things, and then we're starting in the work, uh, I am still having trouble like not thinking the big thoughts, right? Like I'll be mm -hmm. like doing my work and I'll be fine. And then like kid will come in and be like, hey, I need help with the homework. And I'm like, right, because the school's not happening. And what's the school going to do? And it just like yeah. all these bricks start falling off of just like, yeah, what are we doing? I mean, on the upside, I'm talking with my neighbors a lot right now. Like yeah, socially distanced from yard to yard. <laughs> but like if they're out and about, I'm like waving and yeah. and uh, checking with people. Do you have what you need? Can I get you things? Can I, like yeah. I'm heading to the store. Can I get you stuff? And that's been really awesome. Uh, most of the other stuff has been not so awesome. Mm, so yeah. how, I don't, I don't really know, like how are we supposed to think through 18 months? Does that mean like, like you're saying, like thinking through what are, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. Well, and in the context, tell me what to do that, with my whole life. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it, you know, in the context of that Praxis Labs article, um, you know, what they were basically they were basically telling businesses and organizations and nonprofits, uh, think about your pitch deck. Typically, in the first couple of slides, you have your why, which is mm -hmm. the you know the right. bridge of relevance to the sure. people you're talking to, and you're not right. talking about really you're not talking about your product yet yourself. It's just like here's the thing in the world that we're trying to go after. Um, and it basically said, you should probably throw out everything else, like leave your why, but totally wow. go back to the drawing board of how you feel of like, of what the main deliverable is that you say uh -huh. you're deliver, you know, you're, and, and then how you're going to bring that about, uh, uh, you know, because if, if you, the, the argument in a nutshell is we could be wrong. We think this is going to be a sea change economically and, and yeah. socially. And, um, even if we're wrong and you do execute this pivot if stuff snaps back you already know how to do business as usual right so there's sort of like not that much of a risk and in actually innovating what could maybe end up living comfortably alongside your core business as another vertical as an example um, or just another delivery mechanism now that looks different for different people and different organizations for us on a very personal individual level you know a couple of ideas first you you touched on this without using the word i think finding whatever it is you can be grateful for Mm -hmm. uh, that like gratitude changes your, the way your brain operates on like a neural pathway level. There's research about this. So it's, it's not just a healthy spiritual or emotional practice. It's actually something that can change the way your brain functions. So mm -hmm. finding some time every day, and, and this is a great activity to do as a family. Uh, uh, like we, as a family, we will, we will verbalize what we are thankful for mm -hmm. uh, because we have to find it. That's good. The other thing I would say is stress and coping. So everyone has stress. Even when you think your life is great, you have some stress. And right now we, we have like, in some cases, exponentially more 
than we normally do. The key is to recognize that stress always, it's, it's sort of like the, like, like that law of thermodynamics or like matter is never really created or destroyed. Like uh -huh. I, I, stress, in my opinion, is never really uh, destroyed. It goes somewhere. <laughs> in other words, we all, we all cope with it. Right. The difference is there's, there's two, two axes here. Is it conscious or unconscious? Okay. And is it healthy or unhealthy? And you could almost set up like a four, a four box, right? Like there's like conscious, healthy and conscious, unhealthy. There's like unconscious, healthy and unconscious, mm -hmm. unhealthy coping. So the key is I want to develop unconscious, healthy coping habits. But often most of us have unconscious, unhealthy coping habits. Mm -hmm. So think of a lot of examples like um, maybe somebody just takes it for granted. They don't even recognize that between the hours of like five and nine, they have four glasses of wine most right. evenings out of the week. Right. And they don't, they don't recognize that like that, that's actually the definition of alcoholism is like having, having right. more than two drinks a day for most, right. for most people. Uh, and, and so most people who have four drinks a night wouldn't necessarily think of themselves as an alcoholic because we have mental models around what an alcoholic thinks and acts like, but that's a self-limiting belief. So step one is, oh, that is an unconscious and probably unhealthy coping mechanism. So the self-awareness of what I do with that and then figuring out how can I develop unconscious healthy habits? So like um, a trigger that lets me know, um, you know, maybe my trigger is I need to go sit and listen to music or I need to go like do some body weight exercises and some push-ups, or like what, you know, whatever. I need to go watch something beautiful. The point is at first it needs to be conscious. So you need to pull mm -hmm. from the realm of unconscious unhealthy and force it to be conscious and healthier and then get it to the like, it's unconscious. I, I can automatically cope. And that that's never finished. We'll, we'll always need to like, um, we will always need to wrestle with, with that, like being aware of how we're coping and then trying to push it into coping in a more healthy way. But I think just recognizing mm -hmm. that fundamentally, we all experience stress and we all um, cope with it, whether it's conscious or unconscious and whether it's healthy or unhealthy. So pushing that coping into the... Um, Ideally, first you try to become conscious of the unhealthy and the healthy, and then mm -hmm. make the like, and then change the balance. I want more healthy, less unhealthy, and then once I get there, I'm going to try to be, make it unconscious so that it's a habit, and, right. and it's sort of like putting that part of your your well being on autopilot to a certain extent, which takes time. Yeah, because you made that one choice, then you don't deal with the ramifications of forty seven right. other bad choices. That's right. That's right. So yeah, that's that's pretty pretty wild. Um, yeah, it made me think of while you were doing that. I was looking around. Um, do you know who Oren Cloth is? Uh uh. Oh, you gotta check his stuff out. He has a book called Pitch Anything. How do you spell it? Uh, o r e n Cloth K L A F F. Okay. I remember. Yeah, he's ridiculous. I read his book in a day or in a couple of hours because uh, I was doing a pitch uh, for a project and I read his book. I reframed everything that I was doing and I pitched in 15 minutes and walked out with a, a 20 grand check, which was really, I'm not kidding you, 15 wow. minutes. I was like, did this just happen? Did I just <laughs> learn magic? Wow. Anyway, because I was like, you will give me the money. <laughs> and they were like, yes. And I was like, really? Anyway, this is the money you've been wanting like, to give away. Quick, run, get out of here. Anyway, wow. so, um, which is wild. But he talked about, um, he sent an email out this week, um, and it was talking about pitch decks specifically and the, the why, like sitting with the why. And it's like, why now? Problems we solve, what we do, how, proof, and then economic value mm. is like the classic 
uh, way to, to do things. And I, I just yeah. think it's kind of interesting. Like now thinking through like, okay, so this is what it's things. Gonna, and I think it, I feel it very much more on the nonprofit side of like, guys, this is 12 months of site. If we have a 30% unemployment rate, um, which could be cratering. Yep. Well, nonprofits are going to be asked to do crazy things like yep. do more work with less than ever before. And they have to, yeah. they have to do it. So what is that yeah. going to even look like? I don't know, but we have to, you know, yeah. like in, envision it. So, so I thought of that. And then I also thought of, um, um, just that uh, it's amazing how that be curious Bugs Bunny idea sits in my brain of like not being martyr with my creativity, but being mm. more like trickstery um, really helps me um, kind of unlock things. Like it, it's funny when I'm getting super stressed out with the kid stuff and uh, like my expectations are super weird because I'm taking it personally because um, yeah. why didn't he, you know, take the trash out? Like I said, and yeah. how was he losing his brain? Well, because you have an ADD kid who's just a kid um, is one of it, but it's funny how the word adventure like makes me go, Oh, right. It's an adventure. Like, uh -huh. I don't know what's going to happen and it's supposed to be that way. Uh, so not that I want to under, uh, yeah. if this is an adventure that we're on and I don't want to undergird the, the, ramifications of what the new normal is going to be but yeah. thinking through like and i keep asking my kids like i think it was three weeks before i actually got them to say things like how they felt and i kept asking and they were just like what are you doing like they just said like i was being <laughs> such a weirdo for them because i'm like so how are you feeling i mean it's kind of strange and they'd be like yeah it's fine uh -huh. it's not a big deal i just talked to my friends on facetime it's cool and be like, all right, so it, but because of like everything getting canceled and then like, what does the summer look like? And then, you know, like thinking through what does it look like if school doesn't start back up? Yep. And what does it look like? Like we keep getting these, these things. So it is kind of, um, well, a super bummer, but, yeah. um, but also what the, the idea of this new normal, how do we, how do we make stages to, or how do I plan for like from a production standpoint, like everybody yeah. was talking like, okay, so LA shut down for production for about six months. So people were, so like everybody's in massive trouble when it comes yeah. to actual production. Post houses right now are going insane. They have a ton yeah. of work, but that's only going to happen for the next like two months. And right. then they're done. Yeah. Um, animation still going. No, no problems right. actually there. So that's cool. But the rest of production, everybody's just like, uh, and and it's funny. I'm few, with a, a few writers forums, and they're just like, "Yeah, be productive and write your script." And then they're like, everyone's like, you know, when Newton went into uh, when he was on lockdown, he came up with calculus. <laughs> and then when Shakespeare uh, came up, yeah. when he wrote Macbeth, and my my 15 year old went, "Wow, that that's pretty good." So what are we doing? And I went, "Okay, so that's two examples in all of history." <laughs> All of the people <laughs> yeah. that have ever exist, that's true. Yeah. There's only two. She was like, oh, right. And I was like, so we need to think like, we need to be a little uh, yeah. you know, nicer to ourselves. So um, me, I want to highlight a couple of things you, you said, because they're super important. Yeah. So this first, earlier, you, you basically said, I think of it as an adventure. And it's basically, it's a, it's a coaching technique uh, that could be called reframing. And the idea is that we don't we don't just neutrally process all of our data. We have mental models that influence how we 
how we think about things. And those mental models, it's again, a survival mechanism. Cause if you had to constantly, like if your brain had to teach yourself what a chair is every time you saw one over and over again. Right. So a lot of times, like I've been sitting, I've been sitting at this table, but if, and for like all morning, right. For a couple calls, if, if I walked away and you said, I need you to list everything that's on the table, I wouldn't get it because I've been tuning it out. It's a, it's a, right. like my mental model doesn't, I don't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so reframing is, don't take for granted your perspective on something. Recognize that there's a, diff- a distance between a thing that you're perceiving and your perspective on that thing. And then play with that distance. Like, what if I thought of this in the opposite way? Or what if right. there was a better word to use? How would that affect? And it, again, it's not like, it's not like pop psychology weirdness. It's a legitimate, like, so as an example, I was coaching a friend a couple of weeks ago and he was looking at an online master's program mm-hmm. and it was only, it's only $3,000. Okay. For and, master's and class, so he, that's not too bad. For a, yeah, the whole program? And, and the whole program? The, yes, the whole program. He's, he's a missionary. So it's like, it's like you know, discounted for missionaries. And I uh, said, you know, from one perspective, and that was the perspective he was giving me, it was like, wow, that is an incredible bargain. A master's for $3,000. And, and so I talked to them and I said, look, what if you thought about the next like 40 years of your life? Um, if you were going to spend $3,000 on anything right now to set you up for success in the long term, like you're going to invest $3,000. It's not chump change right um is that the best investment like if there was something better you just wasted three thousand dollars on a master's right. that you don't need that's an example of that perspective reframe and he was like oh right like i, I it just seemed like a bargain but right. it's like it's like it's sales psychology you walk in it's like 70 percent off and you're like well okay but you're still spending money that you made and need to spend right it's the right. same it's a perspective. by saying yes to this you're saying no to a whole bunch of other stuff that's right you're saying no to other things and then so that's one thing you mentioned, I think it's just so important is reframing. Um, and then, um, oh man, and I knew this was going to happen. I should have been taking notes. You, you, you were talking about <laughs> something else. You said something else after that, that I was like, oh, that's so helpful. Uh, and just, it's, it's gone. So, sorry, but that, but keeping ourselves in, in uh, isolation, being kind to ourselves. How you feel? Yeah. So, um, no, no, nope. Okay, not there. That was that was a, that was gone. an extra helpful uh, effort at fishing that out. But <laughs> if I think of it, I'll say something. But yeah, okay. so anyway, that reframing—that's something that it's another thing that's within our control. So reframing, right. we have the ability to reframe our circumstances and to reframe our responses. And at first, again, it requires conscious effort, and it right. feels like we're putting on a false face. So to say this is an adventure feels um, uh, inauthentic. And so I tell people like, I don't like authenticity is not an inherent good because who I authentically am right now may not be the best version of myself. <laughs> like who, I, who I'm authentically <laughs> like right now, who I am authentically is somebody yeah. that gets impatient with a two and a yeah. half year old when right. she doesn't immediately listen to my instructions. That is not reasonable. No. Like I, like that's who I am authentically, but I do yeah. not want to show up in her life or my wife's life as my authentic self. So I need to make a conscious effort to put on something that feels inauthentic for the sake of recognizing that my standard for my behavior is not some internal authenticity. It's actually like there's something I'd like to live up to that's a better version of myself. And I want to push toward that. And so in this time. So that's not denying your feelings. That's not. No. That's feeling those feelings. You acknowledge them and say, here is who I am. I can't ignore it. I don't want to rationalize it or push past that. I must face it. And that's self-awareness. And then the next step of self-management or self-control is what can I do with those feelings? And if I work hard on doing different things with those feelings long enough, it may actually influence what I feel. Because we don't have direct control over our feelings. It's just as data. Like I, I got angry. I right. like 
my daughter didn't force me to be angry, but also mm -hmm. I, it wasn't a conscious choice to be angry. It's sort of this weird in between. It's a both end. Like I, I can't like directly, I didn't like decide I'm going to respond in anger, but also she didn't force that. Mm -hmm. So there's this weird, like, I'm not fully in control, but I can influence it. And I think when you learn to put better coping mechanisms in place over time, that will end up influencing the, the better version of yourself that that can come out. Totally. 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 Well, Rory, this has been awesome. Thanks, man. This, we've been man, it's, like an hour. It's, <laughs> it's so good to see your face. I really appreciate you um, having me on with this. And uh, if anyone is listening and you've got, like, if you do, so I, I was vice president of marketing and nonprofit, as you know, until mm -hmm. uh, September last year. And so I'm just going to go ahead and put in a plug for Dan. Dan is an incredible thought partner uh, oh, for thinking you. through how nonprofits um, frame what they do and why that matters for the sake of getting more awareness, more partners, and more money. And uh, that need is only going to increase as we enter um, increasingly turbulent economic times. So I, I'm, I'm here for you if you need a coach, uh, a thought partner in the process. Dan is here for you if you need somebody to help you with um, especially nonprofit storytelling. Uh, and I understand, Dan, that you've been giving away some consulting. Uh, you've yeah. been giving away some phone calls, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I can only control this much, right? That's so right. it's like, okay, this is bad. And I was just like, well, how about here's my book and here's a phone call and let's figure it out because I can't, like, if I was an ED right now, executive director of some sort of nonprofit, I'd be like, I mean, immediate need to change my pain. We are going down the like, rabbit hole and it's only yeah. going to get weirder. It super is. But I mean, yeah. so it's, it's all about the buttress. It's all about how we buttress it right now, which is a fun word to say for the record. Um, also, Are you saying you like word. big buttresses, Dan? Yes, I cannot <laughs> lie. Notre Dame has got it. Sorry, that's I'm the worst joke I've made all week. That's right, so and bad. the thing is, is I'm like, yep, let's just go with it. Let's just do it. Yeah, that's a good idea. In a corporate setting. Um, <laughs> hey, guess what? This is a corporate setting now. This is a corporate setting. That's right. That's this right. This is my most Instagram favorite line. meeting room ever. <laughs> um, so anyway, but dude, thanks so much for, for being on. Check out Rory uh, if you get a chance. Uh, follow him and stuff on his Instagram because it's super rad. Um, and he make like, dude, you're all over the place. You're like creating stuff and you're just like killing it. I'll put it. a plug his for our YouTube. His... So we, we launched a YouTube channel. My company is called Go yeah. Innovation, Geo Innovation. And we just threw up a bunch of videos, including our first two episodes of our podcast called Work Like a Human, which I host. And they're on YouTube in video form. Uh, we recorded some Zoom calls uh, and okay. I added a little bit in the front and back. And then um, we're working on getting it into actual like podcast delivery places. So that's that's coming. But if you go to YouTube, search Go, G-O, Innovation. We don't actually have enough subscribers yet to get a custom URL. So if you would feel free to subscribe for coaching and leadership and becoming a better version of yourself type content. Well, I'll do it right now. I'll do it right now. All right, dude. Okay. Hey, Chef's thank you kiss. so much. It's, good. it's so right. good to see your face, man. I appreciate you a lot. No problem. I, it's good to see you. I'll catch you later. Peace. Big thanks to Rory Tyre and big thanks to you for listening. In the show notes today, we've got a lot of uh, resources, ways to connect with Rory, ways to get some some new things. I'm putting out a weekly email uh, newsletter right now of just a whole bunch of resources to help you and your business uh, because it's crazy right now. And um, I think anything we can do to help each other, and this is just a small way I can help you. And, and I, I just really appreciate it. I, I know we've got to stick together on this one. So there it is, another episode of Copy That. My name is Dan Portnoy. Have a great one and be safe.